God, you're great. Sing that, church. Great are you, Lord. You just raise your voice for 30 more seconds. Just sing this, these words. Great are you, Lord. Everyone up here, too. Everyone online, if you're even watching us right now, just sing this. Great are you, Lord. Let's be that posture for the rest of this service. Amen. so we can hear you. Come on, sing it. God, great in this place right now. Great in our minds, our souls, God, our spirit today, God. There's nothing else we say today, God. It's great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Give God a hand this morning. Come on. Amen. 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 So be it. You guys can be seated this morning. Good morning, Hill City Church. Good to see you guys. If you're new here, we'd love to uh, get to know you. We have a welcome center right out to your right, and uh, we have a little gift for you. So if it's your first time, welcome. And uh, like I said, we'd love to, to meet you and greet you and uh, answer any questions you have about our organization. Oh, man. You guys are such a good worship team. Amen. So say groups. Groups. Groups are launching today. Can I get some hand clapping? All right. <laughs> that clapping was really funny to you. All right. We have, uh, they are starting this week. And we have, uh, if you didn't get this, our, our awesome flyer that Julie uh, put together. And this has all our groups. So uh, there's five groups, and if I miss anything, please chime in and interrupt me. But we have five groups starting this week, so this is a call to action. If you want to be in a group, please call or text the leader that is in this sheet. If you need one of these, please let us know. There'll be, there's plenty of these to be handed out. And, uh, you know, um, I could sp get up here and speak to it. Uh, there is a uh, young, what is this? Um, sorry, Christian and, and Bethany. They have, <laughs> they have a young adult, and I wonder if I can go to that. No? Am I officially no longer a young adult? It's so sad. My daughter, the other day, she goes, Dad, what's all that gray stuff on the side of your hair? I'm like, I know. It's okay. It's okay. I played tennis for four hours yesterday, and I can barely move now. Um, but um, anyway, some great groups. And, uh, you know, I can sit here and talk about the benefits, and I've done that many times. But I'd love to invite uh, an awesome guy named Justin up. Uh, Justin, why don't you come up? And... Uh, we just believe in, in the power of story and testimony and how, some, how things actually change lives. Amen. And uh, Justin, if you could just share for a few minutes um, on some of your experience and uh, whatever else you got written in your cool little red book there. 
All right, everybody, how you doing today? Let Jen get her stuff here. This is where the magic happens, right here. Paul, it's okay. I'm uh, no longer young either, so uh, I feel you there. I can't join Bethany's group, but I did get to meet Bethany at my first life group, which was awesome. And uh, so you guys are going to do great if you join uh, Bethany and Christian's life group. They're awesome people. Uh, so I'm just going to make it real quick here. Uh, what I love about life group, uh, at first I was a little unsure if I should join because I didn't know if I had all the, the correct preparation. But then uh, in a, one of John's sermons one time, he said, quit waiting, just do it. So uh, I did, and I'm so glad that I did because it uh, really introduced me to a whole new world, and that's, um, that's being in communion with fellow Christians, and that's a great feeling. So uh, I put together a little list of what I love about Life Group today. Uh, number one is Mark Mitchell's spaghetti. Mark made some mean spaghetti, and uh, Julie helps too, I think, but I think most of the credit goes to Mark. And uh, he... Uh, he, he and Julie are so generous, and so is everyone who, who does life groups. But, you know, just breaking bread with each other is, is a great feeling and getting to know one another over um, a great meal. And um, food is awesome. So uh, most of the life groups always break bread together, so I highly encourage uh, and enjoy that. Uh, number two is the fellowship uh, that you get with fellow Christians. And it's learning together and especially laughing together. Uh, man, sometimes I wonder if we laugh too much in my life group, but uh, the life groups that I've done have just been a great time to exchange uh, stories, and really more than anything, it's being able to do life together, and that's that's been huge for me. Um, when I was battling some, just some dark times and uh, depression and anxiety, uh, my life group, without even really knowing it, was picking me up and giving me strength, and uh just being there for me, and, and then I was able to do that for them, so it's just a great thing uh, to, to have that fellowship with them, and then my last uh, uh, point here about what I love about life groups are the service projects, and uh, thanks to the, the great leaders at this, this, this church, I've gotten to, to go to Urban Outreach and uh, help serve the homeless, and I've gotten to go to the Park Regency uh, Memory Care and Senior Home, and got to play bingo with some really uh, young and energetic people, and uh, it was awesome, and my nine-year-old son got to do that with me as well, and so that was really powerful too. So it's really, I think, taking the specialness and the love that's in this place um, that was shown to me um, in such huge ways, and it's helping to bring that out to our our, our friends here at church, and, and it's a great thing. So everybody should join a life group, and uh, that's all I got for you guys today. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Justin. Oh, jeez. Um, I know it's pathetic. <laughs> but, man, yeah, just uh, like I said, uh, sign up. Uh, get, get one of those sheets. Sign up. Join a group. It's that simple. I think back in the day was like Shay LaBeouf when he said, just do it. You guys have seen that YouTube video? Do it. And uh, cool. Well, I'm going to transition to uh, the ushers can come forward. I'm going to pray over the offering. And uh, we'll go for <laughs> Rico did like a slow-mo. He's like walking up. God, thank you for this morning, uh, for our opportunity that we get to give to you, not just with our worship and our words and our praise, God, but we get to worship you with our finances. And uh, I hope we uh, got our, 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 we have a cheerful giver mentality this morning, God. We don't give begrudgingly. We don't give out of 
out of just obligation, God, but we give out of pure joy, God, that we have the opportunity to give to our creator in a financial way, help grow our kingdom, help grow this church, and expand uh, what we do uh, for the ministry and the spreading of the gospel. So God, bless today, bless our offering. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, if you, if you guys have noticed, there's a few cameras uh, we've had for a while here, and uh, we, had, uh, we had you up here with the little handheld one. I was like, put the camera on me. And um, that, that started a, a few years ago um, by uh, Jason and Michelle. And they were, uh, you're going to have to come up here, Jason, in a minute, so just get ready for it, bro. If you know Jason, he's, he's super like, can I just speak? Can I get on the stage and talk in front of everybody? But um, so we, when we started, you know, there's a, there's a video ministry. And it, it, I, I think somebody, uh, Drew, talked about it recently. But the, the impact that it has online, and everybody knows there's things like Facebook and people tune in online. And that's so cool. Um, we, we prefer people to be here. I don't want to say we prefer, um, but if, if you're local, we prefer you to be here, right? Um, but there's a lot of reach that, uh, that this church does outside of just these physical four walls. And uh, that would literally, I'm not saying this would not be possible for people like Jason and Michelle who had a vision to, uh, to help digitize what we do from Hill City Church on a Sunday morning. And I remember when Jason first came and Michelle and they came to Paradigm and I had the opportunity to help, you know, just walk through that journey with you guys. And, uh, and I remember Jason's, Jason's life was changed. Wasn't it, Michelle? Um, and you too. <laughs> but Jason's life was just, he just, his, his life was changed and for their children and just the legacy that, that not about Hill City Church but about just an encounter with Jesus Christ has fundamentally changed their trajectory. And it's been a joy to watch that. And from a church standpoint, uh, Jason at, at Shadow Ridge stood up in the back row and not stood up, but set up a, like kind of where Becky is back here in the very back row and set up a camera. And I asked John, like, what is he doing? And that one day, do you remember that? I don't, well, you probably remember it because you were doing it. But I remember just seeing that and I was like, what? And I'm kind of, I can tend to be a little bit of a tight rein guy. Like, let's keep this thing tight. What are we doing? We can't just have people just filming the sermon. What are we doing, you know? Um, but just to watch that grow, and it was one of those things where, where we couldn't necessarily, we, could, we weren't equipped to like mentor and say, this is how you do a video ministry and all these things. And so just to watch the, the sort of relentless pursuit of excellence in this ministry without the guidance, without the, you know, the encouragement, sure. But I, I, we couldn't sit there and tell you like, this is how you do it. We didn't know. Um, but all the research and the investment and the, the trials and some of the failures and some of the video feeds that didn't work some days, but if you've ever tuned in, it's, it's pretty awesome. And uh, you can be in a different country. You could be around the world and, and feel a little bit part of that extension of the Hill City Church family. And I think that's just, it's, you know, I don't, I don't know what drives you guys to do that sometimes. I mean, I love it. But that's just what God has birthed in you guys. And, um, you know, today is, is uh, Jason's. Uh, Jason and Michelle are moving to a cold place. No. They're moving to Phoenix. And I looked up the weather tomorrow. It's 95 there tomorrow already, man. He's like, yes, I can't wait. And uh, I was there in the summer, and it was 118 one day. And I don't know what you guys are thinking. But um, if you guys, can you, can you, uh, can you uh, step off the camera for a second, Michelle? And uh, Jason, can you guys please join, come up here, please? And can you give him a hand?
And Michelle's going to be here for a little bit longer, right? You get the joy of, what? what? A couple more months, she gets the joy of selling the home. And uh, Jason's already down there, right, in Phoenix. You were down there, and you came back, and this is, uh, this is his last Sunday. So, uh, But we just want to honor you guys while you're here. And, uh, of course, pray for you. And we have a, a gift um, here, John. Do you want to? I'm going to give it to John so he can give it to you. <laughs> and... Uh, But we're gonna, I'm going to miss you guys, um, and it's, uh, it's, 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 this, is not, this is bittersweet always, but we, we, we want people to leave well at, at church, and uh, I think you guys are doing that, and I appreciate that from, from like out representing the elders, and uh, hopefully we can send you off well too, and uh, this is what we're about, and uh, this isn't like goodbye forever. I mean, obviously you're moving, and it's going to be a different world, but we just want to say thank you for the legacy for this and just, just establishing you know, a, a foundation for us to continue to grow our reach and ultimately for to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I'm going to give it to John, and then... If, if the el- other elders would come up, we're going to just pray for these guys. And, uh, and uh, man, if you guys can pray with us, I think this is so important. Uh, it's, it's amazing that Jason started something, and we're going to continue it. Isn't that cool? Yeah, there's legacy in that. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this couple, Lord God, who had that you have saved, Lord God. I, I remember the first time Jason walking in, Lord God, and then you have changed his heart entirely, and he started seeking your word, and every day I would see him on the Bible app, and we, we, you would ask me questions, and, and that's how we grew, Lord God. The gospel, the good news changed his eternal destiny, Lord God, and not only that, changed them right here, right now, Lord God, and I pray that, that what he has started will continue here, but what you have started in his heart will continue wherever this couple goes, Lord God, that we carry the presence of God and we practice the presence of God wherever we go, that we are good news because you are good news, Lord God, and that the kingdom of God is advanced through our lives, Lord God. So we, we love you. We love this couple, Lord God. Have your favor on them, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this time, I'm going to just bring up my wife. She's going to tell you a little bit about Easter. Come on, Candace. Morning. How are you guys? Okay. So for Easter, we want to give you some details. Um, This coming up Saturday, so a week from yesterday, Saturday the 13th, we are actually um, a door open for us to do a little Easter outreach at Park Regency Assisted Living (laughs) um, Home. So um, it's really awesome. They have about 175 residents, and um, we're going to bring an Easter outreach to them. So they're really excited. To them, this is huge. (laughs) Um, So what we would encourage you to do is come, and um, if you're able to come, come and participate and partner with them. So their families have been invited, but... uh, We've found that in this generation, when they're older and they're in a home, they're kind of forgotten. And, um, and I know that you guys have never seen, like, tens of 20s of 30s uh, <laughs> um, Easter egg hunts around here for kids. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> no, there's a lot of Easter egg hunts that go on around here for kids. Um, almost every church does one. So this door opened for us, and we just said, you know, if these guys want a big party for Easter, let's do it. 
it. So we are taking an Easter egg hunt to them. We'll have um, face painting. We'll have a photo booth with the Easter bunny. We'll have edible crafts. And so if you come with your family, bring your family, but partner with one of the residents because a lot of them, their families, even though they live close by, they won't come and visit. So if you come and you see someone that's alone, just be like, all right, you're my grandma today, you know, like, let's do this. We're going to get face painting. We're going to do edible crafts. So um, we encourage you to do that with us um, Saturday the 13th. John's not my grandma. Um, one to three. Um, if you have any other questions, feel free to ask me. Um, then on Easter Sunday, we're actually joining the gathering so we can do three big services that day. So it's very exciting. Um, so we are having an 8.30 service, 9.45 service, and 11 o'clock service. So it is going to be fun-filled. Um, it is going to be quick, but it's going to be awesome. I think I just am so excited for the opportunity to join with them and to invite the community. So we're sending out mailers, and we're inviting for the first time. We're letting people know that we're here as Hill City, and we want them to join us. So we need your help for that Sunday because we are having um, – Everything for the kids, all the way from nursery to um, the youth will be in here with us. But from zero to twelve, they'll all still be having kids service. It's going to be very exciting for them. They're going to hear about the Easter story. They're going to celebrate together. They're going to do crafts. So we need your help to make that fun for them too. So if you want to attend a service and then help into others or one other, whatever works for you, there'll be um, a sign up on the website and on the Facebook page. So we would love to have your help to make those three services happen and make it really exciting for our church as a whole. So um, I think that's it. I've, I think I might be forgetting. There was a reason I did not announce that. I would have missed most of it. I would have said, come, it's going to be good. But good morning. My name is John. So glad that you guys are here. I'm going to start with prayer, and then we're going to run through the word of God here. And, uh, uh, and we're going to let it just affect our lives and make God uh, great when we can't be great. I was, I was singing. I was like, great are you, Lord, when I'm the least greatest. You are still great, God. It doesn't change your greatness, God, even when I'm crazy. So today, Lord God, as we pray, and Lord, we open up your word in 1 Peter 5, Lord God. We want to honor you, Lord. We pray your Holy Spirit speak to us, Lord. And Lord, you have this day planned out. I pray, speak to the, the, the parts of our lives and our heart and our mind that only you can open, Lord. Speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. So we've been going through this series called Identity. Say identity. It's good. Through, the, uh, through First Peter. And first, chapter 1, I said our hope is secured in Jesus. We have a hope that cannot be touched nor spoil, nor fade. Our hope is in Jesus. And I say that boldly. Christians, your hope is in Jesus. It is not in how wise you can be. It's not uh, if you have it all together. There are going to be moments where you are not great. But God is always great. And, and, and our hope is Jesus, he who has suffered. And right when everyone thought there was no hope, even those closest to him, he rose from the dead. According to historians, 
to eyewitnesses and even those who oppose him. So even today, I, I put online on Facebook and on our website just evidence of Jesus. So please, if, you're, uh, if you are just dealing with some unbelief or dealing with some things that you need to understand, please go on our Facebook and our website. There was just so much information I couldn't put all in. But I would love for you to seek out Christ and, and, and he will show you. Because he rose from the dead, splitting time in half, right, from B.C. to A.D. So our hope is alive and well. And I'm telling you, Jesus does not disappoint. He doesn't. When you are in Christ, when I'm in Christ, we are made holy and we understand that we are deeply loved. Secondly, out of who we are flows what we do. Even in suffering, we can identify with Christ as he lived. He tells us we together are the house of God, that we contain the presence of God when we are together, that we are a royal priesthood. We lead in the worship of God. We represent God to people, and we represent people to God. We stand in the gap. Third, we move from belief to conviction. I wrote here, a belief is something you argue about. A conviction is something you will die for. Conviction is belief lived out, and we hold to our convictions. And in chapter 4, we moved from trying to training. Trying is an effort in a moment. Training is long obedience in one direction. Trying is good, but training produces transformation. We can't try to be like Jesus in the moment if we're not, ma- we're not training to be like Jesus. The goal of salvation, and listen up, this is important for us. Because of many times we think the goal of salvation is believing the right things and conforming to Christian culture and attending church. But salvation is transformation that happens through continual training in the likeness of Jesus. And when our world sees us living Jesus out, they will take notice seeing the difference that Jesus makes. And as a result, many more will find their hope in Christ and our faith will go way past us. Now, if you have your Bibles and your Bible apps, please go to 1 Peter 5. All right, all right. Here, Peter is ending his letter to the churches of the Asia Minor who are going through persecution. And he starts with the leaders, and he tells them to remain faithful. He knows leading is hard, especially in suffering. So I'm going to start reading 1 Peter 5, 1 through 11. To the elders among you, to the leaders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering. Peter's saying, I was there. I walked with him. I saw him. Who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Verse 2. Be shepherd of God's flock that is under your care. Watch over them, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. I love that. Eager to serve. Listen, all leadership is serving. Not lording over those entrusted in you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, Jesus, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. This life, Peter's saying, and our suffering is nothing compared to what's to come. Think about that for a moment. There is a crown for those who will join Jesus on his mission. There is. There is a crown. Eternity is a continuation of this life. I don't know if you think about it that way. You, well, sometimes many of us, we think this is, this is one life and this is another. But eternity is a continuation of this life. So don't 
hold back. I ask you not to hold back because of fear or pressure or pain, but live well, lead well, and suffer well. That last part's really hard, right? Guys, when we're sick, we don't suffer well, right? We're known. Men are known to suffer badly. A lot of wives are looking at their husbands right now, and their husbands are pushing their hands off their wives, right? But Peter says to us leaders, you have a responsibility to lead well, but so do those who are being led. Listen, listen. For the sake of unity, submit yourselves, and with willingness, put yourself under with a cheerful heart. That's really hard. Putting yourself under, right? Saying, all right, lead me. That's really, really hard. And then let the leaders lead. Engage in their leading, and that's how you grow. To grow, you got to be submitted. To grow, you got to keep yourself under. It's like a seed. If you, if you go to the top, you will be fried by the sun. But you got to keep yourself under. Let leaders lead. Listen, we, are, we all need leaders in our life. Isn't that true? Someone who can speak into you and guide you and guard you for what's ahead. Now, verse 5, it says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to the elders. All of you. Say all of you. This is talking to who? All of us. All of you, right? Clothe yourself. Put it on with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud. Listen to that. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. So what's the biggest challenge to submission? Pride. Pride. Pride is what keeps us distant from people. Isn't that true? You don't want people to know too much about you, so you got to keep them a little distant. People told me in the beginning of ministry to keep people distant, and I was like, why? Why? Because you'll get hurt. I know. I believe that's a part of life, isn't it? It's a part. If you're a parent, you can't keep distant from your kids even though they drive you nuts, right? You can't say, this is how I want everyone to think my life looks like and keep everyone at an arm's length. But pride keeps us distant from people. Pride says, I know better. I lead better. I am better. Now do it my way. I can't submit. But pride also keeps us distant from God. From the beginning till now, from Adam and Eve, the pride was the first sin. And at the core of every sin is pride. And pride at its core believes, I know better than God. If there's any sin in the Bible, there's this sin. I know better than God. My way is better than his way. I am my own God. I, don't, I know how the world works. So don't tell me what to do. So the biggest problem in leadership, in fellowship, in, in life, and in faith is pride. So what's the antidote? I wrote up here. Humility. Humility. That's right. Peter tells us, clothe yourself with humility. Put it on. Every morning, right? Put that, put that humility on. It's way in the back where you don't, oh, you've got to reach for it. you got to get there and you got to put on humility. Humble yourself, right? He says, humble yourself. You do it. And remember to put it on. And so I was thinking about this for a while, and my mind is crazy, Right? So I said, humility to me is like Spanx. Anyone know what Spanx is? It's, it's this. It's, it's man tights, right? 
I wore these today, and I was like, these are the worst. Why do people wear these? Right? All day started rolling on me because of how large my stomach was. Some people know what I'm talking about. It keeps everything in control. It was either even control called controlled tights. I was like, all right. All right. I'm wearing some Spanx today. Right? But it keeps everything from spilling over. That's right. It keeps everything in my, in my body contained, right? And so humility keeps all that pride, all that selfishness, self-seeking, boasting, humble bragging, right? Who likes being around people humble bragging? No one. No one, right? From under control, from spilling over all over the place. It keeps you locked in and contained. But you got to put it on. No one's going to put it on for you. Right? Listen, pride is not only relationally damaging, it's eternally damaging. It infects you, and you don't even notice. You, you can see pride in others, but it's very, 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 very difficult to see it in yourself. It is. Pride will slowly lead you away from God, telling you, you know better than God. Kristen, you know better than God? Why, why would you follow God's way? That's hard. You know better. You know better. Pride starts speaking into your ear, saying, you understand more, right? You, you know better. And I was thinking, man, I don't even know myself most of the time, right? Who gives you the worst advice ever in your life? You do, right? Who, who dislikes you more than you? You do. You give your best friends the best advice, and you give yourself the worst advice, isn't that true? Who has put you into the worst situations you've ever been in? You, right? And then we come here with our pride and we tell God, and that's what Adam and Eve did. I know better than you. I know better than you. And when pride sneaks in, it will overwhelm you, and it's eternally deadly. And, and so I was thinking, so Peter writes to his cherished church, you got to train in humility, you got to put on your humble spanks, right? Put it on every day. Even when you don't think you need it, put it on. Pray about it. Think about it. Work on it. Even when you think no one is watching, put it on. Humility holds faith together, our relationships together, and submission to God together. Now, how do you humble yourself? I was thinking about this. How do you humble Yourself, I just, I'm, I'm going to just tell myself to be humble, right? I'm going to just be humble. But how do you do that? I'm going to give you three ways. This is just a way to humble yourself. First, never pretend. This is very difficult because we are good at pretending. How many of us even today, like, how are you doing today? Awesome, best day ever, right? Right? Hey, we, we weren't fighting in the parking lot, <laughs> I wasn't yelling at my kids this morning, telling them I might choke you, right? We weren't doing those kind of things. Never pretend. Because if I pretend up here, then you'll pretend out there. And then you'll feel the pressure to pretend. I'll sit here and I'm just worshiping God. I'm, and I'm like, hey, I'm just, things are going so good. Life is so good right now. And, right, and we're all pretending. Then she'll feel like, oh, I better pretend too because that guy's pretending. And guess what happens? We start all faking it. And then one, what happens? And no one could be honest because they feel the pressure of pretending. Never pretend. Be yourself. Be honest. 
It's very, very hard because we accept now in our culture the lie. It's a little white lie. It's for the good of all, right? But let you, the word of God says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Even if you don't like that dress, say, you know what? It doesn't look good on you. Yeah, don't, don't say it like that, though. That looks so good on you. That's good. If you don't want to hang out with someone and you don't have time, say, yeah, I'll call you this week. I do that. I was like, man, stop lying, stop faking. It all matters. We all f- face moments where we'll have to fudge a little bit, but don't. Watch out. And watch out for the opposite when we, when we appear humble. And we downplay our abilities. You know, I'm not really good at the piano. Then you get on the piano and you just go nuts. You're like, who is that guy, right? Right? I, I always tell myself, don't, don't say this is Pastor John and this is real John. They have to be one and the same. You have to close the gap of our life, right? And we're going to face these moments. But true humility claims nothing more or less than the truth. Second, never presume. Never presume, right? So often I think I know what others are feeling as I can read minds and hearts and intents, right? Yet humility doesn't pass judgment on why people do what they do or say what they say. Humble people realize they look on the outside, but God alone looks at the heart. So refrain from snap judgments, quick conclusions, and never assume, right? When you don't know, say the words, I don't know right? When you're not an expert, don't give expert advice, right? I read that once on a post. Let me tell you about it, right? Save yourself from tons and tons of worry, not presuming the future or what mother others will say or think or do. And I'm talking to myself. I got called out on this presuming about how people's intent was this week, and I accepted it. I was like, I need that. I needed to hear that. And I said, thank you for telling me that. Number three, third, never push. Humility waits for God to move. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. That's what David wrote. I was like, he said wait for the Lord twice because he knew the first time we wouldn't listen. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Wait for the Lord. This is how you talk to your kids. It's funny. You do this, then you tell them a little explanation. Remember to do this. Right? Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and Wait for the Lord, right? Sometimes we get in trouble because we try to force God to do what we want. So we yell, we nag, we get critical, manipulative to get our way. Listen, do you like to be treated that way, right? Do you like, when we treat people that way or God that way, do you like to be treated that way? People want to be led. They hate being manipulative. They want to come to their own conclusion. So here's some questions we can ask ourselves in humility here. Do I talk, and this is straight up, do I talk in a way that makes it hard for people to know what I really mean, right? They ask you a question, and can you meet this day? You're like, well, I have these things going on, but it looks like a good day. It's sunny. and you, you, you know, you just go around the question so that you could, yeah, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. So that if you said yes or no, they would have no idea if it was a yes or no. It just is when it's convenient for you, right? How often do I assume bad motives of others? Think about that. How do I react when others don't immediately follow my advice? 
In what areas of my life am I pushing when I ought to be waiting on the Lord? These are the paths to humility. Never pretend. Never presume. Never push. Clothe yourself with humility willingly and intentionally. Humility empowers your faith in Christ to stay under and keeps pride from flooding all over. So imitate Jesus. I love it. All of you, clothe yourself with humility. Thank you, Jacob. Yeah. Towards one another. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. Listen, God opposes the proud. We don't think about this much. But God is not indifferent to your pride. God actually opposes your pride. He he is in opposition against you, right? Think about that for a moment. That's not good, right? Either humble yourself or you will be humbled. But humility brings the favor of God. So rather than trying to control everything, rather, verse 7 says, cast your anxieties and your, and your fears on Jesus because he cares for you. He loves you. He cares for you. He knows you can't carry it. The weight of life is too heavy. The attacks are too much. So hand it over, right? If you're going fishing and you're casting, you're really chucking it way out there into the deep end. And in the same way, cast your cares, your anxieties on Christ because he can handle it. He is a great God. You can handle it. Submit your worries, your fears, your dreams, your kids, everything to God. He cares for you. I want to say that again because we forget this. God cares for you. Jesus loves you. The cross is him loving you. He is walking towards it, not because it's easy, but he sees you for the joy set before him. He walks to the cross for you. He loves you. He cares for you. You are made in the image of God. And so I'm going to finish this passage. It says in verse 8, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I want us to be reminded we have an enemy. You do. We have an enemy that wants to devour you, that is roaring around you, trying to scare you trying to fill you with fear, trying to pick you off, isolate you, overwhelm you, tire you out, make you give up, wound you so that you cannot live out the call of God on your life and my life. The devil is not a scare tactic that Christians make up. The devil is real and we are engaged in spiritual warfare against rulers of this present darkness, against spiritual wickedness, against demons trying to kill you. Many of us, we have faced, even this week, you feel like an oppression, just a heaviness of spiritual warfare. You don't know what's going on. But you wake up every day and you just feel like something is absolutely wrong. There is a battle for your soul and you face it. The weight on your life, the confusion on your life. And I'm not saying call everything demonic. You're, you, you're saying uh, there's some things that we do on ourselves. We take some actions, and it is just bad. And we're like, I can't believe demons are doing this. I'm like, no, you're doing that. You're doing that, right? 
I can't believe uh, this is. No, that's you. But listen, we do face demons. We have an enemy, some very in your face and some creeping into your life because we leave the rooms open. Jesus in Matthew talks about uh, 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 spiritual demonic activity as a house, a metaphor as a house, talking about demonic attacks. And for some of us, it's time to close the door, the windows to what we let in, in your minds, in your lives, in our children's lives, in holding on to bitterness, unforgiveness, gossip, lies, anger, lust, sexual corruption, idolatry of people, things, and money, pride, acting like you're God. Sin leaves the doors open to your house. Men and women, We've, many of us, we have faced addiction to alcohol or to porn or to abusive relationship that we stayed in. They didn't know how powerfully it would control their lives, demonically control. They can't stop like most addictions. At first, it was just nonchalant, but then it got full-blown crazy, and for some reason, you just stay there, wrecking your mind, wrecking your marriage, and your kids, or even worse, your life, it's time to clean house. Don't play. Church, don't play with sin. It will lead to death. It really will. You see it all around us. And then we always say to ourselves, our pride tells us, you're strong enough, John. Right? Always. When do you ever say, nah, you're too weak for that. No, you're like, I got this. How many times do we say, I got that? You don't got this. You're not great. God is great. I only know one who has the power to set us free and save us. It's Jesus Christ. He cleans house. I mean it. It's not just spirituality I'm spitting at you. Once you get, you need Jesus, and he will get rid of the demons and the things in your life, and you got to fill that home. Your house, that metaphor, the things of your life with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, or it could get worse, more demons will come back. So today, as we're shutting this down with Jesus, let's start shutting the doors and windows to our house. Think about what things you need to shut off. And God will speak to you. He will. You're like, don't speak about that. I don't like that. That is one thing I want to hold on to. Man, let your pride submit yourself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up. And verse 9 says, resist him. He's talking about the devil. Stand firm in faith because you know that the family of believers, everyone in here throughout the world, is undergoing the same kinds of suffering. You're not alone in your suffering. Verse 10, and the God of all grace who have called you into eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, this just a little bit, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. As we close today, right now, just stand with me as we close today. I just want you to just bow your heads for a moment. And just ask the Holy Spirit just to speak to your heart, to your mind. First question, what in my life is an open door for demonic activity? 
I know this is pretty straight up, but we need it. What in my life is an open door to demonic activity? And you guys can start passing that out. Is it pride? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you your blind spots. Show you the areas that you have been so anxious, so filled with fear that you are giving your faith to your fear instead of to your God. I know it's hard. It's not an easy thing. But Jesus says, cast your cares upon me. What in your life is darkness and you kept on pursuing it. And question number two, am I willing to change it? You can know the things that are wrong in our lives, but the biggest question is am I willing to change it? That's the real question. Am I willing to put myself under in submission to God in those areas of my life that he shows me. Those things that I need God over me. Am I willing to learn in humility even when it's frustrating and when I don't feel like it? Closing the gap between who you are and who you need to be. Like Jesus, he closed himself in humility even though he was God, he became nothing. He became human. He lowered himself even to the point of death, naked on a cross. He took on our judgment so we could take on his love and his eternal life and his mission. In resurrection, we now have the power to overcome sin. That's why in Jesus, we are a new creation. We are forgiven. We are made new. And we are called to join him, to join him now and forever. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. And before we even take communion together, if there's sin in your life right now, I would ask you to confess it. This is a perfect time. That's what it even says. That's what Paul says. Confess your sins right now. Man, go to God right now. Heavenly Father, there is Lord, those things that you have showed me today, Lord God, my pride, those areas, Lord God, we confess them to you, Lord. And I don't even, I don't just confess them to you, Lord, but I'm going to make willful moments of submission and I'm going to walk the other direction, Lord God, in repentance, Lord. What is it in your life that you need to put down? What is it in your life that is destroying it, but you've hold on to it too long, and you need the power of God to overcome. That's in Jesus. On the very night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And I always break it in my hand because I, I break, I broke his body. And he says, this is my body that is broken for you. 
as you take this, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. that same night he took the cup and he said this is my blood for the new covenant every time you drink of this every time you gather and you drink of this know that in me that you are saved that you are set free you are made pure You have been given strength. And what I can do, you can do. You have been given a mission and a calling. And it starts from our submission. Knowing that Christ paid for our sin. Paid for what we deserved, he got. And what he deserved, we got. That's the new covenant. And every time you drink, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take this together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jen, if you want to just sing one chorus. Father, we thank you for the cross, Lord God. But we don't remain at the cross. 
Three days later, you were resurrected, Lord God. And I pray that we rise again, Lord God, wherever that we are, Lord God, wherever our story is right now, it will rise again in Christ, Lord God, that we take on, Lord God, the mission of God, the hope of God, Lord, and we have joy, not because it's our joy that we make up. We have strength, not because it's our strength. We have hope, not because it's our hope, Lord God, but in Jesus, Lord God, Lord God, you can flip the story. You can flip the script. So as we leave today, Lord God, we leave, Lord God, Lord God, knowing, Lord God, you're speaking to us, then you have called us, Lord God. I pray, let us be light. Let us be salt. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Thank you guys for being here. Man, give God praise. Thank you guys.